Turn in your Bibles to John chapter 14 and give me a, just a few minutes there to tell you what was left and maybe in some other way I'll share more of that with you and then I want to have brothers very briefly. We do not want a biography or a detailed account of an event but briefly share with us a cure or a remedy for a troubled heart the cure or remedy for fear or anxiety from either the attributes of God, the works of God, which are his deliverances of others, or the promises of God. But right now, let's go to John 14. John chapter 14, we basically covered the first half of the verse in the first service. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. Let is an imperative verb. It is something that you allow or permit. The Bible says about husbands looking at their wives, let her be as the loving hind and pleasant roe. This is let not because we have the Holy Spirit giving us a negative, let not. What God hath joined together, let not man put asunder, let not the wife depart from her husband. You know that construction and how it works. This is something you do not allow, you do not permit. Do not allow or permit your heart be troubled. And the heart here is a collective noun for all the hearts of the 11 men that were with him. The your heart are the hearts of believers. They're the hearts of God's chosen, redeemed, special men. This is not for the world. This is for us. This is to take us to a different level. Natural men, natural men can have a measure of peace. Natural men know not to let their thoughts consume them, but to be relatively content and to be relatively courageous. They're able to do that. But we have another level that we can achieve with the power of the Holy Ghost. And it's by this verse, let not your heart be troubled. This wasn't advice for the world. This was advice for his specially chosen ministers. Let not your heart be troubled. And that trouble is when we are worried, anxious, fearful, angry, bitter, uneasy, concerned, upset, distraught, whatever words you want to use in our thoughts and in our feelings that render us to some level dysfunctional, debilitated, or destroyed. It is so wrong. It is so childish. It is so immature. It is so contrary to Christianity. Yet, there is comfort in the fact that even men that had been three and a half years with the Lord and were his apostles were subject to it. And they were subject to it with events in the previous chapter that would mostly impact the Lord Jesus, not them. But being mostly concerned about themselves rather than others, Jesus knew they were going to need to not let their hearts be troubled. He had already conquered the little bit of trouble in spirit that he had in the previous chapter. Let not your heart be troubled. Now Jesus moves forward. Ye believe in God. This can be asked as an interrogative mood of a verb, as most commentators do. I do not see that here at all. It's not imperative. Ye need to believe in God. It's ye believe in God. It's indicative. It's just stating a fact about them that they were believers in God. Jesus didn't choose other than one, and he specially identified the one that was a devil that he chose. Jesus did not otherwise choose unbelievers. He chose believers in him. Ye believe in God, 
believe also. Into the faith that you have, I want to add another dimension, and that's my dimension. And so this starts out, John 14, 15, and 16, with the words, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God. And that's the foundation, that's the safety net for not having a troubled heart. Believe also in me. And I'll show you that in just a moment when it opens up. I only have a couple moments because that's all I want to take today, given the circumstances and what we have for this service. Ye believe in God. The cure for a troubled heart starts here. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God. Because when you believe in God, as you heard, especially from the brother with the largest trial, when you heard that, he was glorifying God and stating to you that that is the foundation, that's the safety net to put your trust in God. Jesus began with the foundation or safety net, which even weak Christians should have, and we call these apostles weak Christians for just a few more days. Then we're not going to call them weak Christians because they changed dramatically by the power of the Holy Spirit. Faith in God will calm troubled hearts with peace and move men to great exploits. The Maccabees were identified by the Holy Spirit as those that do know their God. I think we heard that from Psalm 91. We set our affection on him and we know the name of God. The Maccabees knew the name of God and they did exploits in God's opinion, not in historians' opinion, though historians agree that they did great exploits. And we have that mentioned to us in Daniel chapter 11. Before you consider anything else in the second half of this verse, look at the verb. It's believe. What was the verb in Romans 15, 13 that I ended with the first service? Now the God of peace fill you with all joy and peace in believing. That's the verb. The Lord asks so little of us. Trust me. Believe me. Look at this. Look at the verb. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. Repeated twice, one with the object being God the Father, the other with the object being the Son, Jesus Christ. Believe. For those experienced Christians in this room, you know that when you're able to get rid of your foolish, troubled thoughts and to rest more perfectly, even marginally, on God himself and tell him that you are trusting him and tell him that you love him and divorce some thoughts and embrace other thoughts, you know that within minutes there can be an infusion of power, an infusion of faith, that God gives you greater faith. Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. And the more you turn over to him, the more he gives you. And if you're an experienced Christian, you know that it comes fast. Why don't we take advantage of it all the time? Because we are depraved. We are depraved, selfish, foolish rebels by nature. And so that nature comes back to haunt us all the time so we do not live in the continued experience of God's greater manifestation to us. Lord, help us. Look at the verb. Just look at it without, the, without worrying about its mood. I believe ye believe in the words, ye believe in God, is indicative, meaning a statement of fact of their faith in God. It wasn't imperative that they needed to believe in God. It wasn't interrogative that ye believe in, do you believe in God? Believe also in me. You'd be amazed at what people are able to write about the last half of John 14.1. It's faith. What is faith? 
Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. What is faith? We believe that God is, and he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I love Hebrews 11.6. Do you know Hebrews 11.6 so I don't have to turn you there? But without faith, it is impossible to please him. What pleases God in the way of faith? That God is. That is his attributes. That is his existence. That is his character. That is his conduct. And that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. That is his works and the experience that we can read about in the Bible where God has delivered men before us and women before us by his mighty power and his intervention on their behalf. Amen. He is... And he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And we can go to other places where he is a promiser of things that he will do for us when we obey him. The elders of Israel obtained a good report. Hebrews 11.2, introducing the hall of faith, tells us that the elders, by faith, obtained a good report. God's good report of them. And then a number of them are listed. By faith Noah, by faith Abel, by faith Enoch, by faith Abraham, and so forth, down to Gideon, Jephthah, and David. And then there are those unnamed ones that by faith defeated nations and armies and conquered death and died martyrs' deaths that are listed for us down there that include the Maccabees and others right up through the martyrs that were known about even in the time of the apostles. Look at Psalm 27. Do you, uh, we need to go there. Most of you should know it. I hope that you know this verse. This is a remedy. This is a cure. It's the last two verses of Psalm 27. I had fainted unless I had the verb believed. I had fainted. I would have fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Amen. This is a cure right here. This is, ye believe in God. What does it mean to believe in God? I had fainted unless I had believed in God. What do you believe in God? I believe that God is faithful, and he will be faithful in the land of the living. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. When the Bible says the just shall live by faith, it's more the Christian lifestyle than it is a condition for heaven. Those words are taken so much out of context by so many. To cure a troubled heart, you need to believe in the attributes of God. God in his mercy has given us 68 of them in a 60-page outline that is on our website. Which of his attributes do you love and do you think about to rely on as a cure for your heart? God, let's just pick one, creator. How long could we talk about being God being creator? God made heaven and earth, so nothing is too hard for him. And that is reason from over and over and over just the creator aspect of the nature of God. Since he made heaven and earth, your little problems are no difficulty for him. And the Bible repeats that reasoning often. God is bound to his people as the apple of his eye. Don't forget that. The Bible says that in Deuteronomy. It says it in Zechariah that I've shared with you recently. So to cure heart trouble, 
Believe in God, his attributes. Believe in God, the examples that he gives us. The things that were written aforetime, the Old Testament, were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Those Old Testament stories give us hope. We've had names mentioned in this pulpit from the Old Testament. We had Joseph mentioned, and David, and Daniel, and others, and the difficulties they had in life which exceed ours, and their deliverances are profound, and they're ordinary for God. God is able to do that then. He's able to do it now. He's committed to do it for us. We're the apple of his eye. We're his children. You wouldn't do what you're thinking God's doing to you, to your children, And God is far better of a father than you are. If ye being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, and any discipline that you put forth toward them is for their profit and their good, and overall it is a good event, then God is much more able to do it than you are. It's the examples of Jehovah, and the Bible's full of them that David would declare the works of old that his fathers had told him of God's great deliverances. It doesn't matter whether it's with a husband, like God delivering Abigail and God delivering Leah, or with children, like God delivering Hannah and Samson's mother. The Lord can take care, and so he does. And he gives us many verses to put our trust in him. David could say, I have never seen the righteous begging bread. That was just a rule in his life and an axiom of how the universe worked. To cure your heart trouble, you need to believe in the promises of God as they're given to us. Psalm 27 and verse 5, In the time of trouble, he will hide me in in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. I just got to share one with you of mine. To cure heart trouble, you need to believe Jehovah God attributes, That's him, his character, his deliverances. That's his works and his promises. In the time of trouble, he'll hide me in his pavilion. And you know exactly what it looks like because I've described it to you enough times. It's the big giant tent for the king in the center of the army with the Lord of hosts in it. And he's got all the angels camped around it because Psalm 37.4 talks about the angel of the Lord being encamped around them that fear him, but he takes me into his pavilion and he protects me in there. And when you tell the Lord that you want to go into his pavilion and would he take you in there now because you need it, he'll take you in. And for those that are experienced, you know that there can be an infusion of faith and confidence and deliverance and peace in moments. And I thank him for that. Believe also in me. The last clause of this verse, believe also in me, adds a whole dimension to believing in God. The Old Testament men and women were great believing in God without knowing much about Jesus Christ. They are listed in Hebrews chapter 11. But there is a champion, a man at God's right hand that knows every detail of our lives. All things are naked and opened under the eyes of him with whom we have to do. The heart troubles of the apostles were Jesus leaving. That was was what was bothering them the most. They were going to be missing his bodily, personal presence with them and the incredible spiritual insight and worldview and perspective that he gave them 
and the impeccable, intelligent, wise, perfect scriptural answers he had for all his enemies. Those things they knew were going to disappear. We have those from Jesus Christ written in the Bible and spoken in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. It's a new dimension to, to believing in God, to believe in Jesus Christ as well. God alone is not enough. He knows that. God alone is not enough so severely that he said in the Garden of Eden, it is not good for the man to be alone when Adam wasn't really alone. Adam had God. But there was another aspect to a human relationship that could be satisfied with a woman that was to be added to God's, to Adam's relationship with God by having a woman. It's not good for the man to be alone maritally, to be alone personally, not to have a companion. So I'm going to make a companion for him. I just want to remind you of that. Now, when God came down on Mount Sinai, it was the God of the Bible. It was the Lord Jehovah. He came down on Mount Sinai, and that mountain was shaking, and it looked like a blast furnace. And his voice sounded like a trumpet, and it got louder and louder and louder. The New Testament tells us that even Moses exceedingly feared and quaked. And Israel said, don't talk with us anymore. We can't handle it. And God said, good idea. It's Deuteronomy 18, verses 15 through 18. Good idea. I will raise up a man like Moses, and he will bring my words to you. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ. I will raise up a prophet because I like your idea. He will be a mediator between me and you. He will be me, and he will be you. He will understand me. He'll understand you. He will be able to communicate me perfectly to you. That is our Lord Jesus Christ. The Old Testament men did not have it, but obscurely known. The New Testament apostles believed in God, and they believed in Jesus Christ, and they turned the world upside down from little boats on the Sea of Galilee. Faith in Jesus Christ opens up whole new vistas for our faith in the Lord Jehovah. What a powerful name we have to invoke in prayer that was not available before. We pray and conclude in the name of Jesus, amen. In Jesus' name, amen. And when we do that, chapter 15 and 16, the last clause, and it says, Whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. In this, in this chapter, verse 13, Whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you pray in the name of Jesus, which is a new way of praying, from this point forward was a new way of praying, I will do it that the Father may be glorified, the Father will do it that the Son may be glorified. I mean, it is win-win to pray in Jesus' name. And it's, a, it's another aspect of believing in God and believing in me also. Not replacement, but additional. Right. It expands the, a dimension of believing in God. All spiritual blessings are in Christ Jesus, and we know him by what the New Testament tells us about him. He is our brother, and he's not ashamed that we are his brethren. We can promote the witness of the triune God about his son. 
by the Spirit, the water, and the blood on earth. We have a faith through Jesus that overcomes the world. He that spared not his own Son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not also with him freely give us all things? That's Romans 8.32. That is another dimension to God by knowing what he's given us through Jesus Christ. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. Because you have an intercessor with the Father who is perpetually there, who saves to the uttermost all that come unto God by him. We are joint heirs with Jesus Christ of the universe. God's love for us, which we cannot be separated from, neither by height, depth, angels, principalities, powers, death, or life, is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Because that's where the love is. And the more we know that, all the promises of God, all the promises of God, 2 Corinthians 1.20, do you know the verse? All the promises of God, are in him, yea, and in him, amen. Because if God gave his son for us, and we are in his son, all the promises God has ever made are peculiarly ours. We are his peculiar people, his specially chosen people, and all the promises of God in him are yea, and in him, amen. And he's opened up unto us a new and living way into the presence of God so that we can go there boldly and never be turned away. And that's John 14, 1. Get ready. Less than 60 seconds. Do you have a verse? Do you have a place? Do you have an attribute? Do you have a deliverance? Do you have a promise of God that is, that is a particular cure for you of a troubled heart? So I saw Newell first, then Zach, then Joel, then Paul, and then Daniel Jones. Beautiful. Get that? Okay. Thank you. Gold Brothers. One of my favorite passages of Scripture is over in Isaiah chapter 40, and it prefaces in verse 27, where the Lord says, Why sayest thou, O Jacob, and speakest, O Israel, my way is hid from the Lord? How often do we think that way? And my judgment is passed over from my God. Hast thou not known? Hast thou not heard? that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint. And to them that have no strength, he increaseth. To them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait Upon the Lord. And I always look at that as serve the Lord. Not sit on your hands to wait, but you serve like a waiter the Lord. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. Some of the points that Eric made that I took to heart is... How haughty are you to presume upon a circumstance? Who are you to judge what it is, what the Lord's doing with it, what he's going to do with it? We're dust. I'm a fool. I'm an idiot. Nine times out of ten, if I have a choice to do something right, I'm going to do the wrong thing. So I deserve a lot of chastening. That's how the Lord works with me. And it comforts me. So this is going to be a little off to some of you because 
you know, it talks about affliction, and that's where I do most of my learning. This is me. Uh, verse 50 in Psalm 119, go figure. This is my comfort in my affliction, for thy word hath quickened me. Where are you going to go? Whom have I in heaven or earth but thee? Where are you going to go? You know, that's where you're going to meet him. That's where he shows up in big ways and yes. shows you his true character. Right. It's incredible. The word of God, that's where David yes. went. Yeah. He makes some other wise statements. These are my go-to verses. You guys have heard them a hundred times. You'll hear them a hundred more. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now have I kept thy word. It doesn't necessarily mean you're sinning. You know, he brings these circumstances, but that's one of the first places I go because that's typically what it is. I was being haughty. I was being proud. I was being self-righteous. I was being rebellious. I was being something I shouldn't have been. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I've It drove me to his word to correct that thing, whatever it was. And again, it doesn't necessarily mean sin. 71 says, it is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy yes. statutes. That's yes, what we learn. And, and, and you know, the Lord, it's, it's amazing. He's always faithful. He's always faithful. And that's where we learn it. It's by going through these experiences and circumstances continually. He continues to prove himself to be true and faithful. Last verse, 75. I know, Lord, and this is, this is what I hope I can attain to, and that is finally you reach that point where you're not really surprised. You're like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm learning because I know, Lord, that thy judgments are right. You've learned his right. word. Through that trying, that temptation, those trials, you've learned it. You've got it. Now you have confidence. And I know, Lord, that thy judgments are right and that thou in faithfulness has afflicted me. And when you can get up here like that brother did, Brother Stephen, again, great example, and you can do those things, that's, that's where I want to be. And that, the, the, the Word of God, that's where it yes. takes you. So. Amen. 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 Psalm 91, 11, For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in thy ways. As a melancholy going through trial sometimes, sometimes you can feel like you're forgotten or that you're going through this alone. But the Lord, he sees his sparrows, he watches over all of them, and we're important to the Lord. He protects us as one of his attributes. He's protective. Right. And he sends his angels to give uh, charge over us, yes. to protect us, to watch us, and to stop and think about the fact that he has tasked angels to protect you and to watch over you. Right. That can give us a lot of comfort, even when we're looking at a situation like Eric described, that's scary and you don't know why it's happening, you can know that the Lord is still putting protection around you and yes. that he's doing, he's doing this for your benefit. Amen. Amen. Dave is a great example of a man who always trusts in the Lord in many difficult situations. He had troubles and problems throughout his life. Think about a few examples. One is that when he was trapped inside the city of Gath, he was in the walls. They were planning to kill him and he feared for his life. He cried to the Lord, pretended he was mad, and the Lord delivered him out of that difficult situation. He wrote Psalm 56, remembering that situation, and a key verse in that psalm, remember it. Remember this verse in Psalm 56. What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. A great verse to remember for us when we fear and have difficult situations. One of the things, uh, well, I'm young, so by definition, I don't have a lot of life experiences. But one of the things that has comforted me in the times that I've been scared or uh, distressed um, is knowing that the Lord is sovereign. He, everything that everything happens because he planned it. That combined with the fact that he loves us and will not tempt us above we are able is wonderful. 
Psalm 103, 13. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. Thank you, Lord. Five more, please. Nathan, Titus, Adam, Matthew, and Mark Crosby. Mark Crosby, yes, thank you. That particular event was mentioned twice today. Uh, the, him speaking peace to the winds and waves. Let me give you another time when the Lord gave comfort on the seas of life. And this was a, from Matthew chapter 14. And this is our beloved brother Peter again. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down unto the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him. I won't finish this this section, but he didn't stop the storm right then. He put forth his hand and grabbed Peter and took care of him. When he got into the boat, the winds ceased. He was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. Yes. And immediately. Yes. Amen. Amen. Going in the same vein as uh, what Nathan had just said and what we sang just now, uh, one way I comfort myself in uh, times of distress is to know that uh, the master of the ocean and the skies takes care of me. Yes. Um, David. Uh, felt that way as well in the Psalms, and uh, I would like to read a small portion or the whole Psalm of uh, Psalm 121. It says, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills, from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He, He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, He that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in. From this time forth and even forevermore. And he does so. I love the Psalms as well. That's usually where I start if yes. my heart is troubled. Um, Psalm 4, 27, 42, 43, 63, 91, 121, as Titus just uh, read. But another method, if that doesn't work, um, is through music, singing. Yes. Yes. Um, you know, David did that for Saul to help calm him. And yes. here's just one song that I like. Um, I must tell Jesus. All of my trials, I cannot bear these burdens alone. In my distress, he kindly will help me. He ever loves and cares for his own. I must tell Jesus all of my troubles. He is a kind, compassionate friend. If I but ask him, he will deliver. Make of my troubles quickly an end. Tempted and tried, I need a great Savior, one who can help my burdens to bear. I must tell Jesus, I must tell Jesus, he all my cares and sorrows will share. Oh, how the world to evil allures me. Oh, how my heart is tempted to sin. 
I must tell Jesus, and he will help me over the world, the victory to win. My number one was already taken, no surprise, by my father. My number three was already taken by Titus. So I get to use my second favorite. And I'd want to give you God's resume really quickly, the resume that he wants to give from Psalm 146, starting at verse 5. And I like this so much because it lists his attributes, it lists his actions, and it tells us everything that we need. Verse 5, happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God, which made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that therein is, which keepeth truth forever, which executeth judgment for the oppressed, which giveth food to the hungry. The Lord looseth the prisoners. The Lord openeth the eyes of the blind. The Lord raiseth them that are bowed down. The Lord loveth the righteous. The Lord preserveth the strangers. He relieveth the fatherless and widow, but the way of the wicked he turneth upside down. Amen. And it doesn't stop. The Lord shall reign forever. Amen. Even thy God, O Zion, unto all generations. Praise ye the Lord. Amen. His reign and his actions will never cease. They continue forever. Praise the Lord. Amen. And if you're in trouble, it's imperative that we not do something. It's imperative that we not forget all his benefits. How can you not go to Psalm 103? Listen to this. If you're worried about your fear and your trouble, think on these things. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities? Who healeth all thy diseases? Who redeemeth thy life from destruction? Who satisfieth thy mouth with good things? Remember this. Sorry, I'm, I'm trying to keep together. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and plenteous in mercy. Amen. If you feel the Lord is angry with you, remember this. He will not always chide. Right, right. Neither will he keep his anger forever, because he hasn't dealt with us according to our iniquities. Right. He hasn't given us what we deserve. Right. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Excellent. Wonderful.